This is a recording of the diachronic usage of exclamation marks across the major Book of Mormon editions by Scott L. Howell, Brooke Anderson, Lorena Hinkson, Lana D. McRae, Jesse Vincent, and Brandon Toruella, published in Interpreter, a Journal of Latter-day Saint Faith and Scholarship, read by Victor Worth. Abstract. The usage of the exclamation mark has changed over time, but continues to serve as an important textual interpretation aid. Punctuation itself has not been a permanent fixture in English. Rather, it was slowly introduced to English documents with changing standard usages after the invention of the printing press. Here, we highlight the use of the exclamation mark across major editions of the Book of Mormon and document the presence of the exclamation mark in a reference table. When the Book of Mormon was first translated and dictated by Joseph Smith to his scribe Oliver Cowdery, it was done without punctuation. The original manuscript was thus a stream of unbroken text. Though Cowdery and another scribe added scattered punctuation to the printer's manuscript, a compositor for the Grandin Press, John Gilbert, largely disregarded it. Instead, Gilbert primarily employed his own punctuation and paragraphing even with no affiliation to the new church. John Gilbert commented on the 1830 manuscript some 63 years later, quote, Every chapter, if I remember correctly, was one solid paragraph without a punctuation mark from beginning to end. I punctuated it to make it read as I supposed the author intended, and but very little punctuation was altered in proofreading, close quote. From these remarks, it is unclear whether Gilbert was referring to Smith or the ancient authors of various books within the Book of Mormon. Even still, the overwhelming majority of John Gilbert's edits were deemed acceptable by early church leaders for the first publication of the Book of Mormon. According to Royal Skousen, compiler of the Book of Mormon, the earliest text, it is estimated, quote, that over 90% of Gilbert's punctuation marks in the printers and original manuscripts were carried over without change into the 1830 edition. Close quote. Since the first edition in 1830, there have been 20 English editions of the Book of Mormon recognized by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or the Community of Christ, formerly Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. A short history of the various editions of the Book of Mormon is available in Appendix 1. For more on the story of the earliest editions of the Book of Mormon, including punctuation, we refer readers to the Parallel Book of Mormon, the 1830, 1837, and 1840 editions, by Kurt Bench. With every new edition of the Book of Mormon came changes to the format, grammar, and punctuation. For instance, the original unpunctuated text of 2 Nephi 13.9 read, quote, Woe unto their souls, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. However, John Gilbert added sentence capitalization, an exclamation mark after souls, and a period after themselves. Following this, the punctuated 1830 text read, Woe unto their souls, exclamation mark, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves, period. Four editions later, 1879, the punctuation of this verse was changed. The sentence medial, mid-sentence, 
exclamation mark following souls was replaced by a comma, and the period following themselves was replaced with the sentence final exclamation mark. This change reflected a general change in punctuation usage at the time. Accordingly, the subsequent editions read, quote, Woe unto their souls, comma, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves, exclamation mark. This change in the location and use of the exclamation mark shifted emphasis from the worth of a soul, especially one who sins, towards the consequences of evil choices. While not affecting the semantic content, this subtle shift introduced by punctuation seems to alter the clausal emphasis, either on the distressing state of the soul or the consequences of wicked actions. Consequently, it creates a change in tone that may inform one's interpretation. Similarly, Alma 5.37 also once contained a sentence medial exclamation mark that was changed to sentence final. Compare these two excerpts showing the punctuation change. O, exclamation mark, ye workers of iniquity, period, 1879. O ye workers of iniquity, semicolon, ellipsis, but ye will not hearken unto his voice, exclamation mark, 2013. This change shifts the focus from a call for attention to a judgment of the behaviors of the people. With the exclamation mark employed at the end of a long verse, the verse now emphasizes that this group is prideful, foolishly choosing to ignore Christ's call. Interpretation disparities only widen in instances where the exclamation mark was changed to or from a question mark. In 1879, Ammon's comment in Alma 26.3 existed as a posed question, compared below to its current punctuation. How many of the Lamanites are brought to behold the marvelous light of God? Question mark, 1879. How many of the Lamanites are brought to behold the marvelous light of God? Exclamation mark, 1920 to current. Reverted back to an exclamation mark in the subsequent 1920 edition, this question mark renders this statement to be read with significantly different intent, perhaps offering a rhetorical purpose or seeking information rather than glorying in God's work. In this article, we consider the diachronic use of all the exclamation marks for the eight Book of Mormon editions featured by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on its official website, under the heading, History of the Scriptures. Precisely because the printer's manuscript was presented without punctuation, and presumably the reformed Egyptian from which it was written was also unpunctuated, the presence of punctuation necessarily affects one's reading of the Book of Mormon. It cannot be ignored because it determines the sentence shape and, in many cases, its meaning. Underscoring this verity, Royal Skousen, in his Analysis of Textual Variants of the Book of Mormon, explains, quote, how a single word or punctuation mark might alter our understanding of a verse, close quote. The exclamation mark, as a mark of emphasis or focus, especially encourages readers to be drawn to the statements or words that are marked, creating a textual world in which it is not only the reader, the text, and the spirit, 
but unavoidably also the editor's interpretation. Starting with a brief history of the exclamation mark, we discuss the process for making changes to the editions and document each use of the exclamation mark across eight editions. A brief history of the exclamation mark. The term punctuation comes from the word punctilious, meaning attentive to formality or etiquette, elucidating the primary role of punctuation as what editor Lynn Truss calls, quote, a courtesy designed to help readers to understand a story, close quote. Introduced in the later 15th century, the exclamation was among the last marks introduced to punctuation. Over the years, scholars identified three main purposes for punctuation, and for the exclamation mark in particular. To serve a rhetorical function, such as wonder, to indicate pauses, and to clarify sentence construction. Over time, changes occurred regarding the formatting and function of the exclamation mark. It has long been used to express admiration, but the use of the exclamation mark to express friendship or sincerity, especially in emails and social media, is a relatively new development. Using it to express thanks is also a modern shift in usage, such as signing emails with thank you so much, three exclamation marks. These usages did not appear in any usage dictionary until 2019. While the first users of the exclamation mark would perhaps have gawked at some modern constructions like, quote, I'm so excited to see you tomorrow, four exclamation marks, close quote, where it would seem one exclamation is not enough, modern readers might likewise find the following construction a little odd. Quote, I'm so excited, exclamation mark, to see you tomorrow, period. Close quote. Yet, this kind of sentence medial punctuation was common until the 1980s, when this usage was dropped in favor of sentence final usage. The primary function of punctuation in time and context, quote, is to resolve structural uncertainties in a text and to signal nuances of semantic significance which might otherwise not be conveyed at all or would at best be much more difficult for a reader to figure out. Charting changes in the placement and frequency of the exclamation mark. Our research team obtained data on the placement of exclamation marks for two of the editions, 1981 and 2013, through digital versions extant in WordCruncher, a textual analysis software developed by Monty Shelley and Jason Zubak at Brigham Young University's Digital Humanities Office. From the WordCruncher software, we exported the data into a tabular format and filtered for verses that contained exclamation marks. The remaining editions that we analyzed are available on archive.org, which is also known as the Internet Archive and hosts millions of books, movies, software, music, websites, and more in a digital format. Since the labeling is sometimes unclear or absent, some manual intervention was necessary to examine the publication stamps from each edition. These editions were in a scanned PDF format, making extraction of the data more difficult. Once the desired editions were located, Exclamation marks were then painstakingly searched by hand, and whenever an exclamation mark was identified, the verse with the mark was carefully transcribed to preserve the edition's variance. 
from this transcription, two things were excluded, superscript footnotes and any hyphenation of words due to word wrapping. The table in Appendix 2 summarizes these changes involving the exclamation mark across the major editions of the Book of Mormon. Each reference in the table includes the parenthetical phrase that directly precedes the exclamation mark and the edition or editions in which it appears. Findings Looking at each exclamation mark from the vantage point of the current 2013 edition, we find that they are naturally divided into four categories. Those preserved across all the editions up to the present, those added since the first edition and remain in the current edition, those removed since the first edition, and lastly, those that underwent multiple revisions. This last category is referred to hereafter as irregularities. Preserved. Only 57 of the original 74 exclamation marks from the 1830 edition are retained in the 2013 edition. Thus, while 77% of the original remain, they comprise only half of the current edition's 113 instances of the exclamation. Whether this is a trend of cultural emphasis on the exclamation mark or attributable to some other aspect of editing is unclear. Added. Over the several editions of the Book of Mormon since the 1830 edition, 67 instances of exclamation marks were added, though only 55 of them still exist in the 2013 edition. These 55 remaining instances were added at various times. One was added in the second edition, 1837, two in the Orson Pratt revision, 1879, and the other 52 in the Committee of Apostles edition, 1920. The added exclamation mark in the second edition was likely to conform with the already established pattern of punctuation. In 1 Nephi 11, Nephi is commanded by an angel a total of eight times to look, exclamation mark. All these instances were followed by an exclamation mark except for the instance in the twelfth verse, which, due to the second edition revisions, now follows the established pattern. In the 1830 edition, there were only nine instances of the exclamative woe. These were preserved through the 2013 edition, but in many cases the placement of the exclamation mark was moved from the sentence medial to the sentence final position. However, in the 1920 edition, 27 more woeful statements were made exclamative. This means that over half of the editions of the exclamation mark and the 1920 edition were of this type. Two examples of added exclamations statements in the 1920 edition include Lehi's lamentation and Nephi's recording of Isaiah's prophecy. Quote, Woe, woe unto Jerusalem, for I have seen thine abominations! Exclamation mark. First Nephi 1.13 Quote, Woe unto the wicked, for they shall perish, for the reward of their hands shall be upon them, Exclamation mark. Second Nephi 13.11 Removed. Since the 1830 edition, 16 exclamation marks have been removed. While seven were removed across the span of the 1800s, nine were removed in 1920. The majority of these were replaced with periods and commas. Notably, seven of the 16 utterances in which exclamations were removed contained the imperative behold. 
For example, 1 Nephi 16.26 from the 1830 edition stated, quote, And it came to pass that the voice of the Lord said unto him, Look upon the ball, and behold the things which are written. Exclamation mark. Close quote. In this verse, there are two imperatives, look and behold. However, in 1920, this exclamation mark was removed and replaced with a period. It is significant that while similar words such as look and woe were receiving additional exclamation marks, the word behold was stripped of its exclamation mark in several instances. These variances are puzzling, especially since look and behold are synonyms and may be used interchangeably. Irregularities. Not every exclamation mark in the Book of Mormon has a straightforward narrative. Some have a more complex diachronic history. There are 14 exclamation mark irregularities in the Book of Mormon. They are subcategorized as follows. 1. Added and then removed. and 2. Removed, re-added, and then preserved in the 2013 edition. And in just the 1840 edition, there is a further category of 3. Removed, re-added, and then removed. Added and then removed. There are 12 instances of exclamation marks in the Book of Mormon that were added and then removed. Of these, all were added in the 1800s and 8 were removed in the 1920s. Typically, these exclamation marks were switched to periods, commas, and question marks. The affected books in this category are 1st Nephi, Jacob, Alma, Helaman, 3rd Nephi, and Mormon. Though these changes were distributed across different books within the Book of Mormon, five of the twelve added and then removed exclamation marks are found in Alma. Removed, re-added, and then preserved. The sole instance in this category is found in Alma 26.3, where Ammon glories in the Lamanites coming out of the Lord, exclaiming, quote, But behold, how many of them are brought to behold the marvelous light of God? Exclamation mark. Close quote. In 1841, this exclamation mark was changed to a question mark, which consequently affected the function of the clause. When read as an interrogative statement, it is less certain that the speaker already possesses the answer to the question. However, in 1920, this was changed back to an exclamation mark, and it has remained since. Removed, re-added, and then removed again. This category only includes two verses, 2 Nephi 13.9 and 2 Nephi 13.11. The exclamation mark in 2 Nephi 13.9 was removed in 1840 when it was replaced with a question mark, re-added in 1841 with an exclamation mark, and then removed again in 1920. This last change may have to do in part with the transition from sentence medial to sentence final punctuation. The original verse in the 1830 edition read, quote, The show of their countenance doth witness against them, and doth declare their sin to be even as Sodom, and they cannot hide it. Woe unto their souls! Exclamation mark, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Period. Similarly, in 2 Nephi 13.11, the exclamation mark was removed in 1840, re-added in 1841, and then removed in subsequent editions. Discussion 
It is not the aim of this paper to elucidate the best methodologies or approaches to use in the study of the exclamation mark throughout the Book of Mormon. However, for an example of one approach to studying the exclamation point in the 2013 edition, see Hinkson et al. forthcoming. Furthermore, a few observations based on another approach used by Anderson, 2022, in her master's thesis is worth noting here. There, Anderson used Ricoeur's interpretation theory, which describes the necessary interrelationship between the reader and the text for interpretation to occur. Since this theory has a rich history of application to religious texts, Anderson applied it to help uncover relationships between the genre of text and the use of the exclamation mark. One underlying theme that Anderson noted throughout the editions is that the epistle genre exclaims themes of God's judgment, power, and destruction, while commands or imperatives exclaim the theme of love of God due to the sacrifice of Christ. The 1830 edition conveys that both God's love and power are among the most important doctrines to be emphasized. This aligns with Joseph Smith's remarks in his King Follett sermon, where he states that the first principle of the gospel is, quote, to know for a certain the character of God, close quote. Thus, the 1830 edition calls the reader to behold the love of God and sacrifice of Christ and makes an argument for God's character. By the 1920 edition, the changes in exclamation marks shift some from focusing primarily on the characterization of God. Instead, exclamation points co-occur with woe statements. These exclaimed verses contain themes of the destruction and wickedness that results from rejecting or forgetting Christ, his works, and his counsel. By the exclamation of asides, brief tangential remarks, such as Mormon's editorial comments. The punctuation aims the message at the future reader to whom Mormon was writing. These exclamations that emphasize what is happening outside of Book of Mormon times draw us into the eternal underlying themes of salvation through Christ. In all, the 1920 edition sees a larger emphasis on the many sins we can commit and the need to call upon God for his grace in overcoming them. The calamities of hell are painted in vivid picture, as is the call to repentance. The asides bring the story to the reader as they exclaim the foolishness of men at the denial of Christ and the compensating need for the preaching of the gospel. The shift in what is exclaimed from 1830 to 1920 may reflect changing views or approaches toward religion, punctuation generally, church missionary efforts, or those doctrines that merit emphasis by inspired leaders at the time. These areas, and more, are worth examining to see what impact punctuation has on interpretation of the Book of Mormon. These kinds of analysis and scholarship are made possible by compiling all instances of punctuation marks across time and editions in one place, as done for the exclamation mark in Appendix 2 so that future scholars may more easily analyze and interpret them. Conclusion Over the 183-year period in which the eight church-featured editions of the Book of Mormon were produced, the exclamation mark underwent a number of changes as to its frequency and placement. Of the original 74 exclamation marks added by John Gilbert in the first edition, 57, 77%, 
are preserved in the 2013 edition of the Book of Mormon. In contrast to the first edition's 74, the current edition, 2013, has 113 exclamation marks. 58, 51%, are preserved from the first edition, while the remaining 55, 49%, were added in later editions and perpetuated to the present. Of those 55 later added, most of them, 52, were added in 1920. Since 1920, only minimal changes to exclamation marks were made in the text. An understanding of the various changes, as well as the larger trends they exhibit, will aid readers' interpretation of the Book of Mormon text. Through closer examination, changes in exclamation marks may reveal a doctrinal emphasis from solely focusing on God's character to also now alerting readers to the dangers of sin and exigency to personally seek salvation through Christ. Consequently, by observing where these impactful marks occur in the text of the various Book of Mormon editions, we gain greater insight into those doctrines, principles, and commentaries regarded by their editors as worthy of the exclamation and its attending emphasis at the time. Scott L. Howe is an assistant teaching professor for the Graduate Department of Instructional Psychology and Technology at Brigham Young University. He holds a doctoral degree in instructional science from BYU and is a former administrator for the university's Division of Continuing Education. He lives in Spanish Fork, Utah, and he and his wife, Lori, are the parents of seven children. Brooke Anderson has a master's degree in linguistics from Brigham Young University. Her thesis is entitled, Exclamation Marks in the Book of Mormon, a Linguistic Analysis. Lorena Hinkson is a visiting faculty member in linguistics at BYU, where she works on discourse analysis in religion, law, and sign language linguistics. She has lived in 10 different states, visited three different continents, and served in three different temples. A retired competitive dancer, she continues to be physically active by teaching aerial arts. Lana McRae is a senior at BYU studying linguistics with a minor in Russian and teaching English to speakers of other languages. Her primary research interests are second language acquisition and sociolinguistics. Jesse Vincent is a text analysis specialist in the Office of Digital Humanities at Brigham Young University. He assists scholars in creating textual corpora that they need for their research. He also develops word cruncher software designed to search, study, and analyze digital texts for discovering insights. Jesse graduated with a BA in linguistics in 2019 and has been married since 2020 to his sweetheart from Germany. Together, they speak a total of 10 languages. Brandon Toroella is an undergraduate student at Brigham Young University. He studies linguistics as well as computer science, Scandinavian studies, and Arabic. His academic interests are historical and computational linguistics. This has been a recording of The Diachronic Usage of Exclamation Marks Across the Major Book of Mormon Editions by Scott L. Howell, Brooke Anderson, Lorena Hinkson, Lana D. McRae, Jesse Vincent, and Brandon Toruella. Published in Interpreter, A Journal of Latter-day Saint Faith and Scholarship, Volume 53, 2022 read by Victor Worth. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license. 
and may be freely distributed. If it remains unchanged, the journal and its website are credited and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles on Latter-day Saint scripture can be found at journal.interpreterfoundation.org. More information about the Interpreter Foundation, along with a wide array of additional resources, can be found at interpreterfoundation.org.